All right, welcome everybody to Moscow Mules and Knobsides. This is a speaker series for OTPGH. Uh, the conference is happening October 9th. What this is, uh, the speaker series is all about is, you know, we asked uh, all the speakers if they'd like to jump on a podcast and the ones that were available and have availability are coming on to kind of give a little more insight about who they are um, and a little bit insight about their uh, talks. And hopefully that's a little teaser for you to Make sure you don't miss their talk and you get to know them a little more beyond, uh, I think typically you know, when you see someone on a speaker's list, you might not know who they are. But I'm one of your co-hosts of the podcast, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. I'm David. I'm the other co-host. Hi, David. And our, uh, Kyle. And, and our speakers, are, are two of our speakers are doing a, a co-talk, but uh, we have Dr. Rhonda Chacon and Dr. Susan Farabee. How are you both doing this evening? Great. Good, Kyle. Good, David. Excited to be here. Actually. Well, thank you. I mean, we're excited to have you. Yeah. I see you. Uh, you know, you guys were, were prepared. You, you must have done your show research because I, I noticed that both of you beforehand were, you know, uh, came with your, your tumblers of wine. It looks like wine. Yes. I'm drinking uh, Francis Coppola, as in The Godfather, uh -huh. as a winery. And I'm drinking a 2017 Claret. What, what is a Claret? It's a mix between a cab and I think a Merlot. I'm really not sure. Kyle may know. I actually never even heard of that one. Is that one Adina told you about? It's no, it's one of the black label. Oh, uh, okay. So maybe it's special. Oh man. And, Is that so. the one you got at Chenicola where we went? No. Oh no, no. I no ran fair. out of that. Otherwise <laughs> I would be drinking that. And it calls us a, a uh, for those in the Pittsburgh areas, it's a nice Italian place uh, in Westmoreland County. It's really good. I'd say it's one of the better yeah. Italian places in Pittsburgh area yeah, it was, itself. It was spectacular. And being Italian, I know good Italian food. But that was a Pinot Noir. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, it looks good. I like dry red wines. Is it, is it kind of dry? Is it a little sweet? Um, I No, it's dry. I'm really not into sweet. So I, I like Coppola, um, that's one of my favorites. I like the Pinot Noir from Coppola, the Merlot, the um, Claret, and the, there's one other one, but I forget the name of it, Charitz, I'm not sure. I, I like the Coppola stuff, surprisingly. I, I thought it was gonna be like a gimmicky, like, oh, I have a whole bunch of money that I made for movies, and now I'm gonna go make wine, <laughs> and it's, you know, gonna make me more money so suckers but actually yeah, it's pretty good like the couple bottles that i've had i've really enjoyed yeah i like that and then i belong to a winery and kyle that's called mckenzie and mueller yeah and so Small. every quarter um i get three bottles and i usually order three more which are their pinot noir 2013 or 2014. awesome Small little vineyard area. It's really good. Susan, what are you sipping on? I'm drinking Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc. I don't know the year. I'm very impressed that Rhonda's so into the year. I don't, I don't know that much about wine, but this is a very good wine from New Zealand. Kind of mid-range, you know, not real expensive, but not real cheap. <laughs> and it's dry, really dry, white oh. wine. So I like it. Susan, do you, I'm not a white, uh, wine person but 
you drink it cold, right? Right. It's not room temperature. Yeah. I was a big Chardonnay fan. And then one day I went to a wine tasting and I tasted this particular wine and I'd never had another glass of Chardonnay again. It was really oh, weird. really? That's, yeah, that did I it? I've drank um, Chardonnay for like years, you know, and I just completely switched over. It was pretty weird. Just overnight, like that was it. Have you ever had like a, I mean, was it, was it like life changing? I guess like no more red wine was, is red wine like off the menu forever now? Maybe other or? things changed in my life. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. That's possible. That, that's something wrong with that. <laughs> change is good sometimes, especially if you like change. For those since of us who don't like change. Since we're talking about drinking, there's a cute story. I'll let Susan tell you, we both work at Purdue University Global and I started working there 10 years ago, and I think Susan, 12 for you? Yeah, 12 years. So, so we met at a graduation ceremony somewhere in, I don't even know where we were, Chicago, Chicago. or something. First time we met in per person, and the yeah. last time we met in person. So right. this was like seven years ago, maybe? Something like that. And you haven't seen so each other in person for seven years. Yeah, no, that we was have the first and the last time. I was an adjunct then. Yeah, you were. An and they said I run, uh, uh, won a contest to come with all the full time faculty to walk at graduation. Now, what was interesting is I didn't walk for my bachelor's degree. I was certain I was going to walk for my master's. Got there too busy, didn't walk. Then I absolutely was going to walk for my doctorate. Nothing was going to stop me. Too busy, didn't do that. So I this was the either. first time I walked, and we're going to be sitting on the stage. Well, as Susan and I, the night before getting to know one another, I mean, we sat there for a very long time and drank margaritas. And we had a blast. The problem is I wasn't sure I was making it to graduation. <laughs> which, um, that's usually an undergraduate. I didn't tell Susan, or, or, you know, that. Didn't tell Susan that till like five years later because I was embarrassed. But I barely made it. But I did walk and I did sit. So it was exciting. Hey, better yeah. better late than never. Yeah. Well, there's nothing nothing like shared common interests like that to bring two people together yeah, over I some know. alcohol. Drinking, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to, that, that was like my first question was going to be like, so if you're at a global university, how did you how did you end up like meeting at a bar but i guess that explains it all no no there was yeah it was a graduation right. so we were called in and you yeah. haven't seen each other in person in seven years and still are like no. e friends i guess like e e co e teachers we, we talk like co professors at least several you know, times a week yeah oh, okay I mean, we, we talk a, about a lot of we talk uh, about everything intellectual things yeah oh yeah they're all sounds, intellectual. sounds like quite a healthy relationship yeah right. you're gonna have to get your number and she's in Arizona, which gives me a reason to go to Arizona someday. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. So how, how do you end up getting hooked up with Purdue Global from Arizona? What, what happens there? Well, there was just an online position available that I saw and I became aware of and I just applied for it. And so then you have a phone interview. Um, and this maybe, is before COVID and everyone had- We have a Zoom interview, but back right. then- 
wasn't so much. Exactly. COVID There's no Zoom. Interviews. So you never see your boss. <laughs> now you mentioned COVID-19. <laughs> Actually, Susan and I have been teaching online because when I was in industry, I taught as an adjunct. My first online experience was with Quinnipiac University in the College of Professional um, Studies. So we've been doing online since before online. Online was cool. cool. Yeah, so yeah. COVID, everybody came go. into our world all of a sudden. You know, they were all living like we live. Did they, did they come to you for like advice or anything? Or did you just kind of say, you know? Usually <laughs> they did not come to us. Who did they? We're all online. Oh, well, I mean, like, did anybody like from their, like, what, uh, you know, campus IT or did anybody like try to reach out to you for? I, oh, they they did, I think. They have a different approach. They try to go like on Zoom and keep doing their lectures. And that's not how we do it, you know? So their approach to all of a sudden going online is completely different than how we do it. That's really how I entered into cybersecurity more than from the technical end. So, I mean, I was always into security for software development because I was more of a software developer, software engineer back before I taught. And so that was the only real cybersecurity. But then when I went for my law degree, I kind of did a specialization in cybersecurity, which is interesting because there's really no cybersecurity law out there. So it's pretty easy. Or if it's, or if it is, it's antiquated from like 1984, yeah. you know, the, computer so the only real thing you can go to is this thing called the Talon Manual, and they take all of the international laws that can be applied to cybersecurity, but aren't really directly related to cybersecurity, and they look, they map it all out for you in Talon's manual. It's a horrible book, but I mean, it's interesting <laughs> if you're in the law, but, but that's the only real thing you can go to is to map this international law to cybersecurity because there's only a few little statutes out there about data privacy but about real cybersecurity and even like internet copyright laws and all that stuff it just doesn't really exist so pretty yep. interesting but I that's how i kind of leaned into cybersecurity sorry i had to take a drink uh so what about you dr uh, Rhonda? what 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 got you so I really identify as a practitioner, not an academic, because I spent almost 30 years in industry, starting as a software engineer, because my degrees are in computer science, started as a software engineer and um, moved up the ladder until I became a CTO of a Silicon Valley based software company. So in my career, I've never done anything but build uh, software systems, off the shelf type software systems. And, you know, I led teams build the research and development division of that company and started from the embedded world, like, you know, industrial control systems and also digital DC drives, automated test equipment, and then, um, automated receptionists, like with telephone user interfaces, and then eventually to uh, running a division that created mobile device management software. And so we had relationships with all the handheld manufacturers from way back before Apple. So we okay. had hands, Handspring, we had Palm, we had Nokia, you know, we had Samsung. 
uh, Motorola, you know, and also Blackberry research and motion devices. And then of course, iPhone and stuff like that. And so how I got into cybersecurity is I'm, you know, very interested in secure coding, obviously. But when I was working, yeah, we don't want it. That could be another podcast. I'll go off on my. Gee, Kyle's, 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 over there, yeah, Kyle's over there giggling. I have inside baseball knowledge. I've already heard the whole thing, right? Yeah. Kyle and Susan have inside baseball knowledge, baseball knowledge for sure. But anyway, um, when I started my doctorate, because I, I had been doing mobile before mobile was cool on slow bandwidth networks. I mean, like really super small, but slow. So um, I started my doctorate, uh, I think in 2005-ish. And so I ended up doing my dissertation on mobile device security. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into the cybersecurity field and, you know, I'm really passionate about secure architectures and secure designs and secure coding. Can I get like the Cliff Notes version real fast uh, of how secure mobile devices were when you finished your research? Um, what was interesting is, I guess I could say this now, I had a population of big companies. And when I say big companies, I mean Oracle, I mean Sun, mm -hmm. I mean Research Emotion, plus you know, other companies. And really their mobile device management uh, systems and things like that were not very secure. And the way that they perceived mobile devices and, you know, uh, corporate owned, bring your own device, which is still kind of a problem today. So yeah, my research showed that you know, security was not a, you know, security first mindset in these organizations because culture really needed to change. And quite frankly, it still needs to change. Mm -hmm. Because some of those companies, you know, maybe not the ones I mentioned, but other ones are still, uh, you know, sometimes not taking things seriously enough in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. One of the, I'll add a cool fact that I know about Rhonda's past is that, and obviously uh, Rhonda Seppin, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but she, you've reverse engineered, this is one of the cool things, you've reverse engineered, I think the AOL mail, mail protocol yeah. back in the day right. so that you could send email on a pager. Yeah. Right? Am I, did I send say that? email on a pager. Before that was to send email on a caller device, caller ID mm -hmm. device. You guys are too young, but there used to be one that sat next to your phone. Okay, so what people did is, you know, when they had to use their computer and connect to the internet, I'm aging myself, but they had to dial mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. right? So they had to go in their office, dial up, and see what email was waiting. So we had the clever idea, you know what? They're gonna come home, look at their caller ID device, and they're gonna scroll, scroll through who they have emails from, then they would know, okay, I have email from some important people. I better go in my office and dial in. So, oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know that little part, which made it seem I like, so if you want it. Yeah, go ahead. Please. I have secrets, Susan. I know. I used to work at AOL. I should have I known. I know you that. did. 
I didn't want to tell yeah, you. Yeah, you didn't tell me. I know. Not a secret. <laughs> because you know their protocol was an IMAP slash their proprietary stuff, and it was very difficult. But we you did. Get it. you arrested, Rhonda. Yeah. I <laughs> Statue of limitations can't happen. Yeah. All right. All right. You think they still well, use for, that protocol? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm just musing. AOL doesn't even exist, right? I mean, it's Verizon. Yeah, but the, it's they still, might, uh, it's this was back before that you only had IMAP and POP3. Yep. Right? So AOL had it. Had, they know, were over POP, over IMAP, you said, right? Yeah. Slash their own stuff, uh -huh. which made it challenging. <laughs> I remember still, trying to set that up in my Hotmail. I, I, I had Hotmail. Yeah, uh, I, I did. I did have dial-up. You know, you, I, I, I had dial-up. I mean, I had dial-up too. I think it's frightening. You uh -huh. should tell them to change their email address. Yeah, oh, I, I thought I thought Microsoft made. A, I, I thought Microsoft moved everybody from Hotmail addresses over to Outlook.com addresses. Oh, I don't know. I don't have it anymore. I mean, yeah, yes, you I do. I think it'll go. I think now <laughs> we use a Hotmail account, and I'm not sure about this, so don't hold me to it. But I think Hotmail will go to their Microsoft account. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember trying to set up my Pop Three to get my AOL mail, but you know it didn't. It wouldn't work. No, or IMAP or whatever 3, it was. Pop Three defeated the purpose of AOL's mail because they wanted to be like IMAP and keep it on the server. Mm. They didn't want you to pull it down and keep it locally. Doctor Farabee, is that your? Do you know? <laughs> what? I'm gonna start a little. Uh, that we'll stir the pot here. <laughs> Is AOL all about the proprietary world? Probably. Oh, very bad. Sarah, there you go. Very bad. <laughs> I had a stack of AOL CDs so they can, People you know. are not allowed to cancel their email accounts for no. any reason. Actually, cancel, they just didn't let you. I'm looking at an AOL CD right now. Yeah, we got all kinds one? of trouble with the FCC and everything. Yes, I do because my daughter, when she oh, was right. six years old, we she likes artsy things and so we did something together where we got all kind of computer parts like some boards and some motherboards and different things and so we we uh, put the motherboard boards down on canvas and then for the traces and the buses we we kind of drew those and then you know we put an aol cd i'm looking at one an aol cd in there a three and a half inch floppy in that one we we made two you still have all this wrong up, huh you still have all these things yeah they're framed <laughs> oh because thick, of what dina did okay thick, we did it together a thick glass frame and i have one that's trimmed in burgundy and one that's trimmed in black so yeah they're yep. two of my favorite things this is what what uh Cool moms were doing. Meanwhile, mine was smacking me with a spatula. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if I was a cool mom. You'd have to ask my daughter. Oh, also, disclaimer: I love my mom. Later, Thank right? you. We'll, we'll be sure to ask. <laughs> so let's fast forward to 2020. Let's talk about. Can you give a little insight about your talk a little bit? Like, uh, can you give us a title again? I know it's related to CTF and your studies around CTF, but I don't want to short comment so i'll let you kind of both to kind of explain i kind of want to know like how you got on to doing it like what made you pick this topic is what well, I'm i think you here. probably remember <laughs> i kind of do i okay. kind of do in 2016 mid 2016 may i think 
uh, Facebook released their open source capture the flag. And I was just, I mean, to be honest with you, it wasn't about a study or teaching. It was first about, I wanted to see it. So I went to AWS, stood up an Ubuntu server, and then I installed it. And, and then, Susan? Well, then we decided, well, let's try this out, examine it. Let's have some students play, see how well they did and how they liked it. <clears throat> And it went pretty well, but there were all kinds of technical issues and the students didn't complete the study. <clears throat> They'd get, <clears throat> excuse me, part of the way through it and then they wouldn't complete the final post-assessment. So the study wasn't, it didn't come out all that great. So then we saw, we decided to compare two different systems, compare Facebook's Capture the Flag to CTFD. And then we decided to put a, a bent to it that was like, um, related more to education, like is it a good assessment tool? So does it let the students self-assess? Does it let the teachers assess? Does it provide good feedback? You know, what's the va educational value um, of the tools? And we compared them. And it turned out that CTFD just had amazing um, feedback and assessment features and stuff. And Facebook's Capture the Flag virtually had nothing. Right. So, I mean, it was kind of an interesting study, but, but also that one, um, they hosted it, right? So the technical issues went away. And so it was a pretty good comparison, but now we want to keep comparing more systems just to, you know, keep putting out knowledge about what, what are the better systems, which ones have what features. Um, so one know. caveat um, was that this was the first version of Facebook's yeah capture the flag and they really didn't do anything from the time they released and the open source community didn't do anything either. It wasn't until 2018-ish, um, even 2019-ish that it seemed like the open community jumped on Facebook's uh, system and started to have competitions. Um, because when I first stood it up, you know, of course it goes without saying that when you have a system like this, you have to create all the challenges, right? So Facebook said that they were collecting a repository of challenges from events. So when I talked to Facebook, they didn't have any yet because events weren't going on. So, you know, I went in and it's really like um, Jeopardy style. It's really not attack and defend. Um, so it's Jeopardy style. So the, the majority of the content is Jeopardy style. However, you know, I had uh, a, a small portion of the content really hands-on stuff. And we found in the study that um, students love CTFD, but they also wanted some more hands-on. More hands-on. They want more and more hands-on. Yeah. So and, we're, we're looking to people like you to help yeah. <laughs> suggest some hands -on. I mean, I know one, I know one thing with CTFD that I liked that apparently it's a custom plugin because everybody, the time I talk about it, everybody's like, I've never even heard of that before. But the one I just did from the ICS joint working group meeting, uh, which is put on by DHS CISA, but really organized and put together by their, you know, their um, contractors from the Idaho national lab, but they use CTFD, but they do a sort of a tiered, um approach that like you might have like one question that's worth like 100 points and when you answer that correctly it opens up two more questions 
Mm. And yeah, then that would be good. That would be good. And so it was yeah, and it's almost like you don't know what's left on the board. You don't know how many points are available. So you're like solving things. You're watching the scoreboard. Maybe they don't freeze it in the last hour. So you like don't know who's doing what. And then you see like, oh man, like you answer this one. And all of a sudden there's a 700 point question. You're like, well, we're only 400 points behind. If we get this question right, we could win, right? Like, and you just don't know that because it's like added that sort of added excitement plus added anxiety too you're like yeah, oh, that would make me so anxious but that i like that though that's cool i it's didn't know that it was ctfd which was the system so i guess we picked right <laughs> I, I mean i'm gonna be make sure i sit on uh, both your talks because i'm interested to see the approach because maybe the facebook's open source might be better mm -hmm. out the gate you know um i just know it's easiest to set up ctfd but like it's kind of very basic. It's very skeleton and you have to put all the things in at least the one time I've done it. So no, you won't like Facebook's the version, at least that we're running is less than that. Yeah. It's less than. Okay. I mean, if you we'll, we'll tell, we'll, we'll say yeah, that. Yeah don't, yeah. don't give out all the, yeah. uh, and also our talk is really directed to, you know, we want to engage our students, of course, um, but we also want to help prepare the students, you know, to get in that pipeline, you know, with them, you know, having some potential to, to land some type of cybersecurity position. So that's really our goal. That's why we're comparing and we, we want to look at assessment from our point of view and students because Susan and I have like this what we'd like to do is maybe embed this into some of our curriculum. Yeah. Yeah, I we can, do live seminars, that. so we thought it might be fun to let them do capture the flag during the live seminars. Um, I mean, so I that, would, you know, we yeah, kind of have them in a place we know they're doing it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be great because David and I both teach as well, or adjuncts oh, yeah. as well, and like doing that would. Because I don't like to, no one likes to hear anybody lecture for three hours or whatever. Well, I, know, is, I know, I right? know. Yeah. Give them something real to and do I don't when want, they're learning. It'll be great, you know. Yeah, I, love and I don't want to give them tests because I'm not a good yeah. test taker. So why I would I right. make you answer questions? Exactly. But I'm like, if I give you a PCAP and a file to look at and you answer right. my questions and maybe right. it opens up other bonus questions or whatever. Yeah, yeah I agree. I wholeheartedly it's think a great it's a way great way to idea. teach, I think. Right. And what is even cool too, that's what we want to get to where we're doing it in our classes mm -hmm. and tune the content to, to, the class, yeah. to the class. Now that'll take a lot of work on our end, I think, because we, you know, we can go through the objectives for our entire class, build all the content, but then we have to make sure some of that content is shut off, you know, because you haven't learned it yet. So right. we'll see what happens. We're excited about this. We're future. excited about it. So we'll probably do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea. Uh, just like Kyle said, um, the kids that we had for introduction to software reverse engineering were definitely more I don't know, desiring or they're more, they definitely, you could tell they wanted to have more hands-on things and more lectures that were lab-based, but we didn't have that stuff prepared for them. Instead, we're up there, you know, walking them through reversing C++ instead of being like, here's like a, you know, 30 minute primer on it. And then here's some challenges. And it's really hard. I mean, I don't want to say it's hard, but like, I don't want to reuse anybody's work, but yeah. it's nice to have like a bank to just pull from and be like, well, today we can reverse. Uh, Kyle sent me one on Friday. He's like, I had I had this challenge 
And can you guide me through like what you would have done? And that's something that I would totally love to use in my class next year. And it was just a CTF challenge, right? Yeah. So uh, anything like that, hands for me, hands-on learning's way better. I'm I'm more hands-on, more visual okay. than just somebody right. speaking things into my brain and like hoping. You know that, that you're connects. starting to bore them because you're starting to bore oh, yourself. You can, you can, well, yeah, I'm telling you, you can see it too out there, right? Yeah. Even, even in e-class, when we move to to Zoom, like you can tell that like there's no engagement and you're like, I, know. Uh, I need y'all to wake up and like, listen to me. Listen. Maybe <laughs> I know you can probably come back and watch this later, but now you know our world. Yeah, yeah. It was tough. I, I don't know how y'all did it for so long, you know, without, uh, yeah, you got it. That so capture the flag also does the whole, you know, gamification mm -hmm. theory and stuff. Well, there's a, there's a lot of kids that are on like the, the, the campus hacking team or like they're into like the Pico CTF or, you know, any sort of like anything they can get their hands on. It seems like they're really engaged with that sort of thing. I don't want to say bombarded or overwhelmed, but they definitely have a, a lot of opportunity to do this in their free time. And I don't remember doing one of these when I was in college. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I even graduated in 2006 and I didn't have, at least I don't remember someone like walking up to me at Penn State and be like, hey, let's go to, let's do some CTF stuff this weekend. Like, you know, I was in the lab trying not to fail uh, electrical engineering. So, yeah. And, and one of my reasons to go into academia is, is to bring the real world in the classroom. That's why I said I identify uh -huh. as a practitioner, not so much an academic. So the more real um, world, hands on stuff we can get our hands on. <laughs> Yeah. To incorporate it. I agree. Yeah. Any any sort of like banks or repos of that that we can you know pull from or, or contribute together or that's you know. what we need. Yep, right. that's, that's what we, we do. need for that. That's and, what's missing. And behind like a behind a portal where it's like you know professors yeah. only from all across yeah. wherever. Like right. oh here's a challenge I have right and like all I ask is you do is just you know copyright Kyle O'Meara right or whatever right. and right. Uh, in your when you give it to your class like there's a. a when a, someone else we had on the podcast that puts out all this open source reverse engineering videos and stuff like that. And he just asked that people that if they use it in their classroom, just give them credit, right? Yeah. It's all you have to do. And, but a lot of times people still, you know, steal work. Just right? embed you your know? name into it somehow. Like just binary, and write it in, man. Just, you know, yeah. 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 Over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> but now I think Facebook Kyle has, started to create that repository um like i know i think i saw because i went back briefly just to see university of michigan there were a few universities um so yeah. is, is that something that facebook should be like in charge of though is that like why why is facebook doing this and not the, academia i think like, they set are... up um no, they're not doing anything in or just like holding holding some sort of a repository for this no, sort of yeah. thing um it's an open source. Okay, kind of as long as it's open source. So anybody can access it? Yeah, so anybody okay. could access it. Kyle, it doesn't have permissions, you know, so anyone can go after it. But um, yeah, Facebook just put this out there. They're not interested in controlling anything. Okay. Um, but how, but Susan brought up a really <laughs> questionable, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Susan brought up the idea, which I think is good. We need to look at some proprietary capture the flag systems to see, you know, are they worth, uh, you know, is there an ROI to them that I'm thinking there's no added value probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was funny is that you bring that, that you bring that up that there was a, um, I'm in a, a like a group, a discord group with a bunch of other people that, uh, 
um, due to, to do CTFs. And like, I, I only know one person in person. Like I've only, I don't know anybody else except by their name, but it was, we throw in like different, when we see different CTFs out there, we're like, we'll throw them in the chat. Like, Hey, does anybody want to do this one? What do you think? Or whatever. And this one that was a proprietary CTF platform, I'm not going to put them on the spot. Uh, but if you wanted, you got access to their CTF platform. It was like, do a CTF so that you could get more CTF. It was kind of like, <laughs> it was kind of like an inception type thing. You're like, why would I win your CTF and only get more access to another CTF? Like, you know. yeah. Cause you have stuff like hack the box out there, which is they have some free level yep. stuff. Right. And things like that, where it's like, why would I pay for yours when I can go and get almost everything else for free out there? Right. And like do all these other challenges for free and then win more ac- more than just access to more CTFs. Right. Like it's just, <laughs> I get it. There's business models for everything and everybody <laughs> needs to, you know, keep the lights on, but that is correct. Yeah. Is there anything else you uh, either you want to say about your talk? Uh, any other teasers of any sort? No, I think that was a lot we said. No, we didn't. <laughs> well, I think uh, uh, I know I'm going to make sure I see it, you know, and not because I have a personal relationship in this, but <laughs> because I'm interested in CTFs well, too, right? And from education. I'll be in trouble. <laughs> I, but I mean, I, I will make sure I, I see it. But Kyle, just so you know, and I think you will be interested in this. It is a study and we got published in an academic journal. Oh, nice. So so we have the link to that. But um, you know, our presentation's gonna also go over the methodology we use for the study and, and stuff like that, which cool. you know is important when you're doing a research study for academic journals and you know, for anything. Absolutely. David, any other questions? I, no, you? I would agree. I think that's I think that's a good way to, to wrap that up. Um, if you know your your talk is academic based, like let us know like what what the details are, right? Yeah, we're happy to include all the links and um, we can, we can leverage. I know I said like oh how do people get a hold of you, but we can have all the links to the op otpgh. I'm glad you uh, have trouble website. with that too. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say it. But, I was uh, afraid to even try to say it during our presentation, so I just left it all out completely. But we'll make sure that you know everybody. Make sure you register. Make sure you check out Dr. Chacon's and Dr. Farabee's talk. But thank you again very much to you both for coming on and doing this. Well, thank you, Kyle and David, for having us. Yeah, thank you me. very thank much. You. It was fun. Thanks for your time. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, you'll have to come on for the full uh, the full shebang one of these well, days. Yeah, we'll have we'll... to bring you. We'll really get to the to the deep uh, uh, margarita level. Uh, oh no, I don't of, think you want to at the margarita level. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee that. You guys will have to edit, and you'll have like five minutes. Oh, that could be so <laughs> much fun. It could be fun. Just saying. All right, yeah, well, thank you very again. You thank you again, and how's we like to always end the podcast? Stay thirsty, everyone. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Cheers.